Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, May 17th. Our top story today, a Hearn Bay mum says she's desperate for her family to be rehomed from their council house after her three-year-old son suffered lead poisoning. Lucy is following this story for us. Lucy, this is a bit of a strange story. What can you tell me about how the lead is finding its way into the little boy's system? Three-year-old Elijah lives with a rare condition called pica, which makes him want to bite things that are not food, such as the wood, paint and plaster in their home. Mum Georgia took him to the GP for help, and that's when they discovered traces of lead in his blood. It was suspected that it was coming from lead-based paint, which was used on door frames and skirting boards in the 60s. Tests from Environment Health officers have since confirmed that to be the case. And Georgia has been told by doctors that they need to find somewhere else to live. Yes, doctors say he needs to be moved immediately. He's been in hospital twice this year already with breathing problems. Georgia says Elijah, who has autism, has developed anemia and suffers fits of exhaustion and dizziness. He's also missing out on a lot of nursery. And what's been the response from council? Well, the council confirmed the presence of lead in January and have said they're doing all they can to find somewhere else for the family to live. A new suitable property was found, but there were delays at the last Last minute because it also contained lead and needed remedial work. Thanks for that, Lucy. Kent Online reached out to Canterbury City Council, who say work on the new home is nearly finished and Georgie and her family should be able to move in in the next week or two. Kent Online reports. Also making news today, a large chunk of woodland near Dover has gone up for sale, sparking concerns it could eventually be built on. The area at Gorse Hill on the border of River Village is used by dog walkers and provides a habitat for wildlife. There's no planning consent at the moment, but some residents are worried it could be snapped up by developers. There are calls to improve safety at a roundabout near Blue Water amid claims drivers are taking their lives in their own hands. Residents travelling from Bean onto the London-bound A2 say the roundabout is too wide to cross and speak Speeding cars entering the junction fail to give way, leading to a number of near misses. It's recently been redesigned and National Highways say it's helped reduce congestion, but there are calls for better signage to avoid anyone getting hurt. Now, a Medway man says he's struggling to pick up after his dogs because of overgrown grass at a park outside his house. Gary Hunt says he's complained to the council three times about the state of Northcote road wreck in Strood. So basically, this park's outside my house. I've got three dogs and I'll try to be a responsible owner, clear up after them. But when it's left like this, it's impossible to clear up. And the thing is, you don't clear up, then people sing you out and say, oh, look, he ain't cleared up after his dogs. But would you want to try and clear something out of this? You're fighting to lie in the park because you don't know what you're treading on or standing on. I mentioned it to the uh, council three times, in one ear, out the other. Spoke to some supervisor after making a corporate complaint and his get-out-of-jail card was, well, hold on, it's been raining a real lot lately. Well, hold on, you cut it twice as fast. What happens in the summer when it don't rain and they don't come out for weeks because the grass ain't growing? So you average it out. But they just think it's acceptable to leave this like this. Battle of the Triffids is what I call it. Would, would they leave this if it was outside their ass? I bet they wouldn't. I just want to see them do the job properly and maintain it to a standard where you can come over the park, enjoy it. It's an absolute eyesore. Who's ever charging this park really needs to be pulled to the side and say, look, you can't leave it like that. Not just leave it. I mean, an elderly lady would go fine if she tried to walk in this. 
The local authority have blamed the spring sunshine and recent rain for making the grass grow more quickly, but insist their contractor is continuing to regularly cut it. Kent Online reports. A police misconduct hearing has been told CCTV of Wayne Cousins exposing himself to McDonald's staff in Swanley was shown to officers before he murdered Sarah Everard. Former Met Officer Samantha Lee is accused of failing to correctly investigate two allegations against Cousins, which she denies is serving a whole life term and the hearing continues. A man's appeared in court in Medway accused of paying to abuse a teenage boy. The 38-year-old, who's originally from Egypt, is accused of seven offences in Rochester in September 2021. He's been remanded in custody and is due at Crown Court next month. A man who sexually assaulted a woman just one day after being released from prison for other sex offences could soon be eligible for day release. Stephen Gale was jailed indefinitely for the attack in Tunbridge Wells in 2007. However, at his latest parole hearing in April, it was recommended he be moved to an open conditions prison. A final decision is yet to be made. His next parole hearing is in 2025. A teenager has been charged after a number of cars were damaged in Whitstable. Xander Mawima is accused of breaking windows and wing mirrors and damaging the bodywork of a number of vehicles along Harwich Street earlier this year. The 18-year-old from St Andrews Close is also facing assault, stealing and weapons charges. He's out on bail and will be back in court in August. Now, a young Thanet woman fighting breast cancer says she hopes her diagnosis will encourage others of her age to check their bodies. 23-year-old Roxanne Betts from Birchington is having treatment after finding a lump in February. She's lost her hair through chemo but hopes to educate those who look at her. I think it's curiosity and concern when people stare or do a double take because when you think about cancer or seeing someone wearing a headscarf you think of people 40 and above. So seeing someone so young, it can be confusing because it's much, much rarer to see. I don't judge people for looking as there isn't much awareness for young people having cancer. I can tell when people are politely trying to work me out when they see me, they all have sympathy for me. More people smile at me, hold doors open for me, let me out at junctions and crossing the road and I've had a noticeable increase on likes on social media posts. I can tell people feel sorry for me, which of course is a natural thing to feel. It took a while to get used to at first, as I would keep my head down, and it would be my friends and family noticing more people stare than myself, but now I'm used to it. I haven't had any bad experiences, which I'm grateful for, and I'm always thinking positively. Her colleagues are planning to do a race for life in July to raise money for cancer research. Kent Online reports. A court has heard how a Whitstable man who stabbed someone outside a cocktail bar was caught after footage of the attack appeared on Snapchat. Violence broke out following an argument at Captain Jack's in Hearn Bay last June and the victim, who was on a stag do, spent four weeks in hospital being treated for a knife wound. Khan Martin, who's 34 and from Florence Avenue, has now been jailed for four years. A suspected burglar has been charged after a glass door was smashed at a business on Tunbridge High Street. Four other properties, including a church, were also reportedly damaged last Wednesday. A 27-year-old man's due in court next month accused of burglary, attempted burglary, theft from a shop and possession of amphetamine. A hospital worker from Chatham who lent money to a friend then ripped her off as she repaid it has avoided being sent to prison. Malai Gambrill handed out £3,000 then demanded the same amount again after already being repaid more than 4000 The 54-year-old from Ingle Road has been ordered to do 150 hours of unpaid work. Elsewhere, a Kent mum has spoken in Parliament about the death of her daughter as she calls for universities to have a statutory duty of care for students. Hilary Grimes' daughter Phoebe from Cranbrook took 
took her own life while studying in Newcastle in 2021. Her mum was one of several people with similar experiences to give evidence to a committee of MPs. She says it's too late for her daughter, but she wants to stop anyone else going through what she has. I just want to sort of uh, clear up a question. I think uh, some people might wonder why, why we are here, as our children have already died. Um, but we're here because we can't bring back those that we've lost. But we can make change so that others don't have to go through what we're going through. Um, so it's been the hardest of journeys for all of us to go over and over what happened in order to explain our point. But we've had to do that. Um, and I look forward to, to no longer having to share Phoebe and mine story uh, to everybody to do this. But we're going to keep doing it. Why we're here, students uh, don't have the time or the know-how how to fight this battle. Uh, an individual couldn't take on universities and governments. Uh, it couldn't be done alone. You have to have something really terrible to happen to make you want to do this. This is a really hard thing to have to do. Um, and you have to be really hard pushed to fight this battle, but we're not giving up. Um, so at last we have got together. We've got a group of really strong focused, intelligent and driven people who will, who will make change. Um, we can make a difference to the students in the UK, current and future, um, and our children who have tragically died would have wanted us to do that. So that is why we're here. We need a statutory duty care for universities to protect our students from reasonably foreseeable harm caused either by direct injury or a failure to act. So if you take, we want our students protected from reasonably foreseeable harm. For me, that's really easy to understand and everybody should understand is that we just want universities and the staff and everybody in them to do what's reasonable. And if they did that, we are sort of fairly sure that our children uh, would be alive today and we wouldn't be here. And that's what we're wanting. And we're not asking them to be treated as children. We want them treated as adults. We want the same treatment as you would as employment law. So as I said, you, you treat your staff, you, you do it with, you know, when you're, with reason. And it's not, you can't have laws all underneath that, that govern all the different parts because every person's different, every situation's different. But in overall, just act reasonably. And then that would stop the fear in universities that staff have. Am I doing the right thing? Should I or shouldn't I? You know, I don't know whether I should contact the parent. Should I tell somebody else? Should I tell the tutor? Should I share this information? And then if you have an inquest and you stand up and the university says, I believe I acted reasonably and everything I did was reasonable to do with the student, you would say, okay then, that is fair. And if that student, you know, took their life, then so be it. But they have to act reasonably. And it's just, it's just common sense and logical and fair and right. And it's what it needs to happen. And that's it. It's not, it's not complicated. What is unbelievable is, is that there is a duty of care in employment law. So for all of you and all of the university staff, they're all covered by employment law. Um, but this isn't so for students at universities. And and who would know that? Another debate on the issue is due to take place next month. Kent Online reports. A sitting-born mum says she's at her wit's end as her non-verbal autistic son has been turned away from more than 14 special schools across Kent due to a lack of space. Ten-year-old Temi Elephant moved from London with his family last summer, but he's been stuck at home ever since and his parents are having to take time off work to look after him. Kent County Council say they've contacted several schools but are unable to find him a place. They've provided a tutor and some 
say they're working on creating more capacity with new schools in Whitstable and Swanley. Bosses at the University of Kent say they can't rule out being forced to make job cuts as soaring inflation drives up costs. That's despite a voluntary redundancy scheme being launched earlier this year. The cost of living crisis is impacting the amount of people choosing to study or completing their courses. A spokesperson for the uni says they may be forced to make compulsory cuts. A cafe near Ashford has been served a one-star food rating after raw meat was found being stored with ready-to-eat foods. Inspectors visited the Blue and White Cafe in Hythe Road in Smith earlier this year. They also found dirty and greasy surfaces and food being defrosted in a sink. Bosses have been given instructions on how to clean up their act and will have the chance to be re-evaluated. A Ken Charity says they are experiencing an increase in the amount of people struggling with their mental health. Simon Dolby from East Kent Mind says more than 80% of the people they see cite the cost of living crisis as a concern. He says they offer support where they can, but it's not always easy. Even before the cost of living crisis uh, um, hit us, 81% in an average year, 81% of mine clients uh, at East Kent Mind um, would uh, cite money worries as a factor affecting their mental health. The cost of living crisis is going to push that up. And we know the cost of living crisis isn't going to be sorted within the next you know, two years, three years. It's still going to be uh, upon us. So I'm expecting that to uh, rise up uh, statistically as a factor um, as, as, the, as the months and years roll on. Um, so and that's that combination of the, you know, the economic disadvantages of being part of Brexit um, and, you know, everything rolled all into one. It's that sort of perfect tsunami as we come out of lockdown and the mental health pressures that people were put themselves under quite rightly um, as they were isolating to try to protect themselves and loved ones from from the COVID pandemic. So it's that sort of uh, combination, in fact, uh, unfortunately, of, of factors all rolling into each other that have put us in this situation. Um, just how much it's been talked about now coming out of the COVID cost of living crisis. Are you seeing more people use your services? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think in any sort of physical epidemic, there is enormous mental health anxiety that comes along. It doesn't usually hit immediately because we're all focused on the physicality of it. We're enjoying working from home. And then as the months and years tick on, you realise the isolation and that there are disadvantages from working at home, being isolated. There are disadvantages um, in not being able to support loved ones or receiving support from loved ones. And so typically in a in a physical uh, pandemic, you get that sort of spike of physical cases and as it drops off. But then offset you get an equal um, spike of mental health um, and that sort of comes along six months later we're still in that mental health uh, even though the world health organization has now said that um, although there is still evidence and and you know, people are still dying uh, by the bucket load unfortunately because of covid it's no longer the the mm. world pa um, pandemic epidemic that it once was but we're still in that mental health um uh, scenario so yeah still lots um lots of need unfortunately and of course cost of living crisis means that government and local authorities don't have the level of resources to put into NHS and charities who are on the front line delivering it. So individuals out there, your your listeners, um, can make a difference by making a donation. You know, if they go to the eastkentmind.org.uk website, they can, um, you know, 
donate a 20 quid, a tenner, you know, anything. And that will go directly to frontline services. But equally, there are things we have volunteering opportunities. We have this wonderful uh, service, which is um, uh, it's a mentoring program and we'll train an individual to become a mentor uh, to support people with mental health needs. And they can do it from their own home on the telephone you know it's there's full safeguarding support there they don't actually ever meet the person that they're mentoring but they can save lives they can make a real difference and and you know we've got six formers mentoring fifth formers we've got university students mentoring six formers and we've got the whole range of adults um age groups people seem to really respond to somebody being slightly older than them that that's uh um there's that perception that you know older is wiser um not always the case of course but that that's that seems to be um how the mentoring works but it's a real easy way that an individual can can make a real difference and when people are volunteering or making a donation often their their objective is they they just want to be able to save one life they just want to make a difference to one person mentoring absolutely is about that you are just focused on that one individual for, you know, eight weeks. He's using Mental Health Awareness Week to raise the issue and encourage the community to give to local charities where they can. Kent Online reports. Campaigners hoping to save an historic tugboat have suffered a setback after an application for money was turned down. The vessel, called Servia, is currently moored at Ramsgate Harbour but is in poor condition. Repairs to the hull could cost up to £200,000. Last summer, the owner revealed he'd start to break it up if work couldn't be done. Livingston Community Hospital in Dartford will see a share of more than £2 billion to create a new community diagnostic centre. The refurbished site will provide ultrasounds, blood tests and scans for Dartford, Gravesham and Swanley. It's hoped to become a one-stop shop that will cut NHS wait lists. A new literary festival is coming to Medway next month. More than 70 international and local best-selling authors, West End playwrights and award-winning poets will be part of the event. There'll be writing workshops, children's activities and panels at a number of locations between the 2nd and 11th of June. A disused golf course in North Kent is being transformed into a wildlife haven to help businesses do their bit for the environment. Companies can buy carbon units which will be used to help fight climate change and boost biodiversity at the site in the Darenth Valley. Ben Amory is from Grow Up Farms in Sandwich who've signed up. We're very, very focused on reducing our impact wherever we can and um, as a result we're very focused on, we're very interested in uh, how we can reduce our emissions um, as much as possible. So the first way we do that is by buying renewable electricity and making sure that all of our electricity is renewable and low carbon. And then we're very focused on reducing the emissions of our transport and our packaging and some of the materials we buy. And so focus for the next 10 years on reducing those emissions wherever we can. Now, inevitably, there are some emissions that we can't reduce completely. So where we can't reduce emissions we're focusing on removals and we're looking at nature-based carbon removals. So we were looking, we scanned the whole country and we scanned lots of Europe and we scanned lots of different uh, ways and partners looking at carbon removals, specifically on nature-based ones. Um, And it ended up going with Wilder Carbon and Kent Wildlife Trust because firstly, we're very impressed with the standard that they approach to this. They are at the cutting edge of uh, carbon-based or nature-based carbon removals. They're a national organization with a very regional focus, and they're a not-for-profit, which means that biodiversity and carbon and, and, and climate change are the big winners here. 
And how important was it actually to work with someone else in Kent as well? Because you're keeping it all very local, aren't you? Absolutely. Local is really, really important to us. Um, and uh, we wanted to find someone who was aligned with our values um, and aligned with our timelines as well, because we're not here for, for a short time. We're here for a long time. and We want to make a real impact locally. Um, and we, we're, we're doing other things locally as well. We're doing some volunteering with the Kent Wildlife Trust, um, as well as uh, donating some of our produce to Fair Share um, and the Pilgrim's Hospice. So we're very focused on, on the local area. And that's why we were particularly struck by wildlife gardens. And how important do you think it is, Ben, that other businesses who know that they are emitting um, carbon, as you say, you, you can't help it. That's just part of what you're having to do. You're doing your best not to, but there are some things that can't be helped. Uh, do you think it would be a good idea for lots of these projects to be close by to industry so they can all get involved? Yeah, I mean, I'm very, very supportive of these. They are voluntary. They're not compulsory, but I am a big supporter of these. And it, and it, feels to me like it's the right direction to go. Custom, certainly our customers and consumers are very interested in reducing impact where the business was set up to reduce impact. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I personally, and, and, as a, and as a business, we feel it's very important, but we understand there are huge cost pressures on business at the moment. Um, and a lot of businesses are struggling at the moment and falling into the red. So it's difficult to go green when you're falling into the red. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, it's not an easy time for industry at the moment. You mentioned there that all this is voluntary. In future, perhaps hopefully, fingers crossed, when um, the finances are a bit better, should it become compulsory, do you think? The, the world is, seems to be moving towards that, but no countries yet have taken, taken those mandatory steps. Um, as the finances get sorted out, maybe that might be an option that, that, that people start to look at. Sarah Brownlee is from Kent Wildlife Trust, who are delivering the Wilder Carbon Project. It's so important. In the UK, it, we are one of the most nature-depleted countries in the world. We're seeing critical biodiversity loss. We're um, battling a chain, rapidly changing climate. Um, and so we really need to be putting sustainable solutions in place that tackle that in a strategic way. Um, we need to be restoring nature to bring back wildlife's home, um, but it also sees us lock up carbon um, in, in the most resilient possible way. Nature is the only existing no regrets technology that can currently lock up carbon for the long term. And so um, it's it's not a case of, 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 uh, of, of why, it's a case of we, we don't have a choice. We need to be restoring nature at scale. And what's been the response so far from, I know that you've got one or two businesses already on board. What's, what's been their response? Are they enthusiastic? Are their customers happy? Uh, what, what's sort of been their response? Absolutely. People are really supportive. I think businesses genuinely want to do the right thing. Um, we've we've got companies like Grow Up and Thacom Group um, and many, many others who want to partner um, with uh, organisations like Kent Wildlife Trust, who are a deliverer of a, of a World of Carbon project, because they want to um, be achieving that, that nature-based carbon removal, but they want to be doing it in a way that really sees that positive impact for nature too. A business has to operate, um, so it's inevitable that it's going to be producing a certain amount of carbon emissions. Um, but what we want to see is effort, proportionate effort for the size of business with the resources that it has um, to be demonstrably 
doing what it can to reduce those emissions. So it's about um, a sustainable approach to those business operations. Um, so there's inevitably going to be an amount that they, they cannot remove. Um, and so that's where these natural climate solutions, wilder carbon projects um, that generate, lock up additional carbon um, and are good for nature can, can support their sustainability efforts. Kent Online Sports. Cricket now and bowler Arafat Bouyan has signed for Kent for the rest of the season. He's already taken 17 wickets for the county's second team and has been playing league cricket for Blackheath. The 26-year-old goes straight into the squad for the county championship game at Surrey starting tomorrow. That's all from us today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.